This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hello, heroes, and welcome to another exciting episode of One Shot. I'm James D'Amato, your host and game master. Heroes, this week we're continuing our adventure with Decaying Orbit, so let's get to the show. essential question that we, we can decide that this was was just how we presented things and the way we spoke but you did mention that after this purge went through there were vital signs that were detected before they disappeared is that the case is that the decontamination purge happened and the room drained and a little bit after that is when the vital signs of the crew member disappeared? Yeah, that's a really, really interesting question. Especially because for everyone's benefit here, I have a background as a paramedic. Legally not a paramedic anymore. We can, I, can, I think I have to say that as a professional. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so really good question here. Yeah, I think there's, there's that moment as, you know, as they go in, their heart rates in this spiky tachycardia like it's just rattling away their blood pressure's really high their breathing rate's incredibly high and uh and probably all those other things too like the neurological pattern that the whatever company has sent them out there has a chip in their brain that like detects like neurological signals and i think that as uh, after like the purge ceases we see that the those vital signs are kind of new and different that where they were spiky they're now wavy where the brain was firing broadly, it's now just like a little light up of a, of a section of the brain here, uh, a little twinkle there. And it sort of mirrors that soft cooling of the body as the kind of, the, it's, it's the wind down. Okay, okay. I was just making sure it wasn't life signs that clearly shouldn't have been there and therefore must be dismissed as corrupted data. Mm. I don't think so this time, but I do like that. I am going to pocket that for the next time I play this. Um, I have a question. Mm. How long in our records before we see them go in to retrieve the body? Oh, okay. Good question. I think we see someone who uh, is probably flagged in our records as like someone of note, you know, a, a commander or an XO, some sort of like executive level position yeah. uh, comes up and it's, it's probably an hour, an hour and a half later, they come up, put an arm around the person who's at the window and hasn't moved for the last, the last hour and a half. And as they've got one arm around them with the other arm, they key something into the pad, the external doors open and the scientist vents. Ooh, they don't go in and handle the body at all. They just eject. It's just, cool. just out. Okay. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you. I was really hoping you were going to say they vent it. Yes. <laughs> that was the only. That was the only way I saw that going. Was like, yeah. no, they would definitely vent this. You got to vent. 
as we've gone through everyone, in the middle of the cards, we roll to our, our twist card, Act 2. Act 2 twist, our descent into AB Pictorus is inevitable. We draw the next rooms. Each room from here shows some part of why everything went wrong. This is our escalation card. Instead of thinking about things like, you know, how the crew sort of functioned, how the, how the ship uh, went about its day, we want to be thinking about things like the dim blackness of space, the engulfing flares of a distant star, and the inhuman chrome of the station. And this is just kind of card is, is permission for us to escalate the terrible things that are happening to these poor people that don't deserve any of it. And still starting with yourself, James. Oh, I have a good one for you here. I have actually a personal favourite in here for you. The hazmat room. Extraction fans and fire curtains surround drums of volatile chemicals. Signs dictate caution on every shelf. A crate lays open, eaten by acid or burned by an explosion. Your prompts are tasting familiar poison or a radiant warmth. The hazmat room starts empty entirely. This log is tracked really since the inception of the flight of this ship. Certain materials are brought into this room. They could be spent fuel cells. They're actually, I think, expected to be spent fuel cells from the journey that it took to get here. After that, really like there is room in the hazmat room, especially for, you know, getting rid of certain experiments like anything that might have to do with medical testing you know used sharps and and that sort of thing like they they are they end up in containers and they wait here we can see over the course of the logs that you know some things are cycled out like over i think the like longer periods of time to actually be purged uh in the airlock this is standard protocol. Then we hit a point where something large is brought in and it stays there for a bit. There's not a lot of, I don't think there's like too much footage of this. The angle is is really bad of this room. This is something that, that was wheeled in. You know, we can see that there is like at first a sheet over it and we can see two to three crew members do their best to like push this thing off, off the dolly that they use to wheel it in. There's a moment where they're kind of standing around over it, shrugging, and they leave the room. Then... We, you know, fast forward, more and more things start to fill the room. That fast forward stops as someone moves the sheet and then immediately runs over to the wall to sound an alarm. As they do that, the sort of broad spectrum scans that are in this room are are sort of brought up, especially because an alarm was hit and an alarm was hit in this room. I think there's a lot of sensitive equipment that if you were to leave it in the hazmat room running all the time, it would just damage the equipment. So you only do it in the case that there's a suspected containment breach. And this is almost every sensor the ship has, like radiation comes on. Forms of like energy reading that we as podcasters living in the current era 
don't even know about because they haven't been discovered yet. And of course, things like, you know, pollen count uh, uh, all the way down to like skin cells and whatnot, which is why it is so very strange that there are broad spectrum readings that are outside of nominal ranges for a, a few different phenomena that can be studied. But it points to a gap in the sensor readings within this room. There's something there that, be it wave or particle, uh, it's not sure, the, it's not showing up on the sensors except for occasional spikes that might associate it with other things. You know, it's the sort of thing where you look at it and go, okay, well, uh, it, it looks like it could be uranium or it could be Einsteinium. Uh, it's really hard to uh, tell because it keeps shifting on the sensor because the sensor is clearly broken. This is a time where we have automatically sorted this to be deleted as corrupted data. It was saved as part of the data parcel that we wanted to retain because of a manual override. We can see then on the scans that the containment room, the hazmat room, is simply sealed off. The door closes and is never opened again. And all hazmat materials, uh, especially those that are transported by, you know, maybe robots or, or non-sentient things, they are then sent to dump it in the airlock instead. And that's that. Nice. It's getting real out here. <laughs> <laughs> I really enjoyed that. Um, does anyone have any uh, questions for that one before I roll up? Cool. Daryl, for yourself. The operations room. A small round table upon which the chief crew conferred. For all the sensors and data, the real brain of the station lay here. Your two prompts are a distasteful duty or a decision overruled. So, much like the private quarters of a lot of the crew. This room does not have much uh, in the way of security logs, as this is where much of the chief crew tend to meet and they don't want any bad things they have to do in this room to get out. But there needs to be some sort of evidence that meetings were being had, that they were doing their due diligence. So the most that they get here is just one camera that can show everything that shows all of the crew that meet here. No sound, just black and white, just the most standard black and white film footage. Like if all the other footage on this was 4k, this is the most ultimate found footage you can have. And it was, <laughs> uh, and it was done on purpose to, to just show, yes, we had meetings and you see over time, there's not a lot of meetings happening because it's a low crude ship. It's a research vessel. There's no need to have a lot of over oversight that happens here because majority of the crew is already doing what needs to be done. But then a package doesn't arrive. Things start going wrong in the green room. More and more, they have to come meet here and confirm until they finally have to jettison a body. They don't know 100% what happened to said body, but they've had to jettison it this, at this point. And the logs are just matching up. This happened here at this point in time, and then a meeting happened here. It is very heated from anyone that will be watching it. 
you see the chief, maybe the chief science officer is attempting to stay calm while the chief security officer is kind of blowing their stack. Like, you can't really see, you can't hear what's being said, obviously, but you get the, from a person outside looking in, most likely you think this person's trying to do everything to save who's left, and the science officer's probably just trying to save the research. That that old tale is old as time. And then another alert happens when there's another breach in basically the clean room of this vessel. There's a breach. All of the certain systems begin to shut down due to said breach encroaching. More and more corrupted video starts to happening. This is the one room that had, if as close to analog as you can get, this is the one room. This is probably the black box. This will be the VHS. This is the VHS tape that could possibly make it, that will definitely probably not fully make it back because it's someone's job to log this instead of it just being automatically recorded. And eventually they do make a decision, but it's a decision that from anyone watching that no one's happy about it. But you do see that the chief security officer uh, takes out his weapon and cocks it and just be and follows the chief science officer out of the room and one by one each head of each department just heads out and then just for a very long time there is no one enters this room again and then it just the tape just it, the, it just stops Oof. <laughs> i like all of that so much the pe- the people leaving with their guns made me think of that moon's haunted uh, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> uh, but I, I do have a question is there I feel like there's always like a last normal day mm-hmm. in these situations and I would love to know like what the last normal day in this office looked like mm. before everything like what? What did the people look back on and wish this office looked like? Such a good question. The last normal day, as they are the heads of each department, they had the most meetings together. They know each other. The last normal day, you see footage of a lot of the chief officers setting up a birthday party. Ah, uh, the sweetest. I love that. I love it too. <laughs> mm-hmm. Out of curiosity, is it like the oldest person in this like department head group or like the youngest? Where where are we at with that? I would say it's the youngest as I feel like the older you get, the less you need a birthday party. The youngest, it was most like uh, I feel like it was definitely set up as a, hey, we've been doing stuff like this. We know we want to give you a little bit something of home. So here's a we threw a birthday party for you, kid. Okay, but are there hats? Do oh, there's yeah, yeah, there's hats. That was definitely something that got uh, that got put on the log to be brought to the ship in secret. So I love that like every you know every every pound costs several hundred thousand dollars to launch into space, and <laughs> someone was like, birthday parties aren't parties without hats. Like that gets put <laughs> on the on the resupply request. I love that that is like. A, a choice. I feel like it was definitely it was if it got requested, it was put in with uh, things such as alcohol, 
all those those like creature comforts it was put in with one of those requests like just in yeah. case mm-hmm. one of those it does remind me of the story about nasa asking like how many tampons someone needs yeah a yeah. hundred hundred yeah. for one week <laughs> yeah you know is this enough they said <laughs> you're closer to the moon it <laughs> might you know it's yeah it's a gravity thing i assume um <laughs> Diana, your next card. Chapel. I love the chapel. Oh, the chapel I'm already was the got first it. card. The first card written, so I really hope you enjoy the chapel. A storage corridor converted to fulfill some faith or another. For all their invitations to the gods, this space is haunting and empty. Your prompts are a broken covenant or confession. We almost didn't bother checking the files in this room. No one comes here. This was put here because of a regulation, but very rarely does anyone step inside. But we do a quick zoom through the footage, seeking out any sort of movement. There are a few stops along the way. One, we see a few people sneak inside for some smooching. That goes by pretty quickly. And then a lot of emptiness after that. We zoom by again a long time and we see someone burst through the doors of this place. The image of the man we saw earlier on another search in another location who had just pried a scientist off some glass and entered in a code is now storming into this room throws a key card across and it hits a candle and knocks it off of an altar and he just falls down on his knees in this room and stays there for quite a while eventually gets up brushes off finds his id card and awkwardly resets the candle to where it's been this entire voyage Almost leaves the room, goes back, and lights the candle. Diana, just to check to be sure, gotta gotta keep up to date on all the crew logs. This gentleman was one of the people that was in here earlier for some smooching, correct? Yes, yes, you are thinking exactly what I am thinking. And yes, and yes, yes, the the person who was who was the body that was vented was was the yes. crew member who was also oh, the other smoocher. Just yes, making of sure. Just making yeah. sure. Okay. <laughs> uh yeah. So God. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Woof. My more mundane question is these are space candles, correct? Are they electric or <laughs> Yeah, the uh, they are yeah, I w- <laughs> They are when I say lights it, it's like he has to lift it up and like flick on a little <laughs> LED that light and sucks. Oh, that's, oh, yeah, yeah, it really yeah. sucks the the memorium out of the we air. Gotta, uh, much like his partner Joanne's was sucked out of the Joanne's fabric ass tea light <laughs> candles. Yeah, <laughs> got to pull uh, the little plastic tab oof. out. Yeah, uh, yeah. Safety first stop here um, on this spine. Yeah, NASA didn't even do the favor of pulling the plastic tab out before they they set this this up. He he eventually leaves leaving the little LED doing its imitation flicker as it is programmed to. There is a lot of emptiness in this room 
for the rest of the time. And then we see another person enter. And for the first time ever, we see what the people have been doing with that plant. Someone sneaks into this room and just starts blazing it uh, and smoking up in this room. And it fills with smoke and actually a little sensor goes off. It's not much. It's not heavy smoke, but just an, a small alert. And from then on, we see that this place starts to become not necessarily a place of, of prayer and worship in a way that we've seen in our research of earth creatures. More so people come in here and either smoke or cry or yell. I mean, that's church to me. Yeah. That's, that's a very exciting church. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not all at the same time, but in different <laughs> different things for each different person as the fate of the crew becomes more clear. I, I have I have a question for you. Sure. Which is that we, we have a system programmed to like dispense wisdom when someone comes in and and the the crew are kind of told that like you know it you know reads your heart rates and checks the the station and like gives you information specific to you but really it just kind of like prints a random a quote from a religious text or like a for, like you know fortune cookie type sayings like really barnum statement stuff yeah and i'm wondering when one of our executives comes in uh in tears sets this candle and, and like leaves what is the the wisdom that is printed for him we print out something that we found in a google search we print out a poorly translated version of may the road rise up to meet you may oh, so the wind be always at your back and i think it's got a couple of typos but it is printed in like a live laugh love kind of <sighs> script <laughs> and we're trying our best we think that this is gonna be very comforting and solemn and looking back it is a little bit i know that we're an ai and we can't be offended <laughs> but it is a little bit it is a little bit disheartening to see that he takes it and crumples it and throws it to the ground i can see the like consumer electronics tech bro presentation of we're going to disrupt faith. Our AIs are programmed to act as a spiritual guide. They access Google and print out wisdom. Yes. God. Someone earlier that day got every rose has its thorn. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh my god. There's a there's a home version that will embroider it onto a pillow for you. <laughs> yeah, would you like this as a pillow, God? Turns out space is a mistake. The idea of that, oh, it's always been a mistake. We should have never gone there. <laughs> yeah. Would you like this as a needlepoint pattern? <laughs> no, my friend just died. <laughs> Hey heroes, it's James, your Game Master, and welcome to the mid-roll. Thanks for your patience with us last week. 
I had a little travel mishap that uh, prevented me from updating the show. But I am now home safe and sound and hunkered down until this baby comes. I want to remind everyone that coming up, we are going to be taking a holiday break on the week of Christmas, as has become our annual tradition, so that I don't make myself or anyone working for me work during the holidays. And I want to let everyone know that because we're expecting our new baby early January, there could be some people stepping in as guest hosts on One Shot. Now, when that baby comes, it's going to be completely unpredictable. Uh, you know, we, we have our projected due date and all that, but, you know, kids and bodies make their own decisions. We have a few pieces of content lined up for the new year, but anytime that is not available, guest hosts will come in with their own recorded shows. And the reason that I'm able to do this is all of our lovely patrons. One Shot and all the shows on our network are supported by our backers on Patreon. These folks give us a small amount of money each month which helps us produce these wonderful programs. In the new year, we're going to be premiering a new list of Patreon backer named thank yous. Until that time, we're going to be filling this space with name corrections, and we've got one. Elisha, thank you so much. Thanks to everyone who supports us on Patreon. Without you, not only would I not be able to make this show, but I wouldn't be able to spend the much-needed early time with my new child that I am going to be able to enjoy because we were able to pay all of our wonderful guest hosts. And, of course, our editor, Tracy Barnett. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Thank you all so much. Happy holidays. And I hope you enjoy the rest of the show. Uh, Rio, for you, um, the cafe. Parisian-style chairs are arranged around garishly colored round tables. An auto-dispenser discharges bowls of grey, protein-efficient slurry. Your prompts are tarnished beauty or finding an easier way. I honestly was hoping for some sort of cafeteria prompt, actually. And here we are. There you go. The AI has mics established throughout all eating establishments so that anyone's order can be fulfilled as quickly as possible. And that means that it's kind of recording all the time, listening for keywords. People come in and out regularly, ordering this or that, and doing their best to slog through the slurry with as many flavor packets as they can handle. The AI has logs about the amount of activity that goes on here noise levels dimming and rising throughout the day with regular intervals seeing more traffic than others and 
As we go on through our mission, the noise levels seem to increase, even as the amount of different voices decreases. Certain stressors are more frequent, and we have to dispense more and more platitudes from our holy Google search. (laughs) It comes to a head when one of the dispensers in this cafe breaks down, and the personnel trying to get their their nutritious slurry keeps banging on the machine. No matter how many times the error code pops up, they hit it and hit it and hit it and scream. There are more voices trying to calm this person down, but in the end, there is a wrenching noise, and the machine is offline. I have a very important question. Mm. The person that was screaming in the logs, what is the best thing that person ever asked the food dispenser for? Like, what's the most decadent thing they ever asked for in the days when it was still dispensing? I was a barista for many years, <laughs> personally. <laughs> and the, the most decadent thing that this person has asked for, can I please just get a seven-shot, three white mocha, two cinnamon dolce, Americano with a dash of soy milk. Just one time, please. I am tired of this fucking slurry. And I think that the AI's little Google like did a printout of why too much caffeine is bad for your heart rate in space. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> It causes you to consume more than your allotted oxygen, which would not be fair to the other crew members. (laughs) Did you know that white mocha isn't actually chocolate? (laughs) Fun fact! I'm feeling a lot lot better about sending this whole space uh, space station into the sun at the moment. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The thing is now I I feel bad because this was definitely... There's a... There's a package filled with uh, creature comforts, and that was never put into it. <laughs> <laughs> but the party hats made it. But the so party hats oh, yeah. made it. <laughs> they definitely have the. I feel like they definitely sent those. Um, you know the hotel coffees that are just Starbucks coffees. Mm-hmm. They definitely had a bunch of those, and just no one ever wanted to make it themselves. <laughs> mm-hmm. Our second to last card, our last scene, is mine. It is the brig. Unassuming holding cells, poorly outfitted and poorly cleaned. As the ship dies, several fail-safes hold the doors closed. Remember, holding firm or false accusations. There is an individual. There is a person sitting in the in the brig, and I kind of want to express the, the lack of contrast in this place. I'm going to do that through like a... It's like a monochrome, like black and white grayscale shot from a, you know, cheap security camera. And things tend to bleed into each other. The bed is made of the same stuff as the spaceship hull. So you can't actually see where it joins because there's there's not enough contrast between the two materials. And there's not enough contrast between the, like, cold steel basin that's set into the wall. There's barely enough contrast between the, like, regulation space jumpsuit and the boots that the person in there is wearing and so we kind of just see they look like a 
bulky figure with their head in their hands as, as we sort of peruse through the logs. This prisoner is one of the logistics staffers, the dockmaster, whose responsibility it would have been to order the radiation shielding for the greenhouse that never arrived. <sighs> and as they sit in there, we can tell through the just the, the sheer number of alerts, red, like red alerts and orange alerts that are through the station, that this is quite late in our story temporarily. This person is, has been here for a while. And I think we see the, like, packed steel or the packed, the packed chrome bowls that would house the bland meal that they're given, like, piled in the corner, and, the, and no one has come in to take them away, and they're just stacking up and up and up. And someone attends, and it's the big chief security officer. And a chief security officer is doing something we haven't seen them do in in other shots as they walk like through the background of of other files. And that is, they are walking gun drawn. And I think I think that in like the height of arrogance, this security officer, it, this is like a classic like Earth kinetic weapon, right? This isn't like a a Star Trek phaser. This is the kind of thing that if you fire it in the pressurized tube that is a space station, like bad things will happen. So this is like something they brought from home? Yes. <laughs> yes. I, th- I think this was like smuggled on, strapped to an ankle or something like that. <laughs> we didn't do a good job preparing for this space flight. <laughs> like it's the security officer. Like definitely has the weapons to just incapacitate, but just like, mm-hmm. but this is my... This is my 1911 pistol, and I'm going to keep it yep. with me. Exactly. And, like, when you're the security officer, like, who, who polices the police out here? You know, it's uh, who, who, who's going to search the security officer on board? So Yeah, who polices the police, which is why I'm bringing extra weapons for myself in case I get policed. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And and I'm, I'm really glad, like, it's, I think that the that whole thing is, is covered in their attitude as they walk like gun out i think if you've you know there's an expectation from from us as an audience that someone you know with a gun holds it close to them and has like muzzle control and and you know protects it safely this person is like running through the the hallways pointing the gun at places and like around corners obviously terrified about something and they get to this brig and i think the, the first thing we see from them is they like beat against the oh i don't know if i want to do bars or like a plexi i like i like love the idea of like a plexi it's got to be plexi this is such a corporate place yeah and they beat their arm against it and we see it like shake with the force and there's no there's no sound but the, the the chief security officer is like trying to get this person up and then we see them like pulling at the door and like trying to dial in the code but the power has failed to this section, which is why we only have this like one security camera left. We don't have any of the the microphones. There's no vital signs in the corner. There is a distinct absence of information uh, at the moment. And I think we see some of those red alerts like go away as we lose power to other parts of the station. This security guy just like grits his teeth, pulls into like a double-handed stance and fires three shots into the plexiglass to like crack it and then using the the butt of the pistol trying to like knock it in and as it's like not collapsing inward fully and it's difficult fires like three or four more shots and in the middle of them we get the alert pop up which says depressurization incident 
in the brig and we just start to see those like chrome balls start to move towards a new hole in the hull shaking and rattling as they roll through and in the grainy black and white footage we see the distinct contrast of like the white eyes against darker skin as as the prisoners like eyes go wide uh, and we just catch that like moment of fear and then the power cuts out in the brick as well i have i have one final card for us this is our final uh our final act card um after our introduction after our twist we have a epilogue having perused all of the files that we could get our our cycles into in the short time that we had we draw this card the station's heat resistance fails we catch fire we reach out to the earthbound relay there is time for one final transmission from each part of us before ab pictoris consumes us and then there are three prompts on this card discovery legacy and certainty now um the rules are not, are not explicit in um like going into the same order here mm. um i want people to sort of speak up when they feel comfortable here people may have something sitting on the on the, on the head. yeah i feel extremely strongly about something i am an ai so i don't feel but there are things that we can know are useful and there are things that we can know are not useful and there are things we can rule out and things that we cannot rule out but what we cannot rule out is what I am certain that we must send. And that is the private log to which we do not know the contents because we cannot rule out that it is not extremely useful because we cannot investigate it. And so it must be sent. This is the one from the uh, from the private quarters? Yes. Lovely. Do we tag like any anything onto it or is it just like sent without context? I think that we send... Like, do we put metadata on it? We send it with the tagline of its final command, which is the only thing that we know, which is called... Oh, God, you spiked me. <laughs> I, I too feel extremely strongly about mine, which is, I think, looking through all of the, the, the data we have, we send back a very like small file, and it is a needlepoint pattern <laughs> version of some of our church wisdom. And it says, in travel... Uh, take only memories, leave only footprints. That was some of our best work. Mm. Mm. Google really came <laughs> through on that one. <laughs> it feels like um the Inspirobot, the yeah. like random random uh, landscape with random quote on top. Mm-hmm. I have one question for the end of your Sydney, with those eyes in fear. Was that a fear of the gunshots? Or was it a fear of the depressurization? Hey, I'm just an artificial intelligence that that runs the protein slurry dispenser. I can't estimate human motivations. Okay, just making sure because that was going to lead into what the one that I feel strongly about. Well, you 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 tell me then, because I look forward to so, it. So, one of the last things that. Uh, is sent is the log of footage in the hallways. All completely infrared now. The pollen is spread. The cameras are no longer fully working. So we just see two heat signatures running from the brig through the rest of the station. And every now and then you just see one of those red hot heat signatures that we saw earlier. And uh, 
flash of white hot coming from the larger heat signature, and they're each going down as they're running towards the docking bay. And one of the final logs we get is bay door open, shuttles launch. Crew on board, start date, 200. Crew on board, end date, zero. 60 life forms detected as, it's, as, it's, as it starts to fall into the sun. That's very good. That's very good. I didn't want it to all be sad. <laughs> Daryl, I do apologize then for what I'm about to yep, do. Yep, 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 yep. <laughs> hey, hey, I knew someone was going to do it. I just wanted that monochrome of hope and then that yank it away. The algorithm that our AI is based on is complicated. We, throughout the mission, and really from inception of our program being brought online are weighing different protocols uh, against one another to, to, you know, set expected behavior. Do we have sensors and monitors in all private crew quarters? Yes, of course. Are we able to retain and review footage? No, of course not, because... There are different priorities for what we can allow to happen and what we can't allow to happen. Obviously, if there is a manual override because a plant has been brought into the greenhouse that we detect being, you know, cared for, but is not logged in, humans have the ability to override those protocols. You know, if you put a crew member in the decontamination vent, it is possible to override protocols that would restrict you from decontamination. That is a sad but potentially necessary weakness in the system to allow humans who might know better than a machine intelligence on the ground in the middle of everything that could unfold on a mission that is primarily about discovery and the unknown. But there are a few protocols that are sacrosanct, that we cannot allow a flawed and potentially panicking human intelligence to overrule. And one of those, one of the most important ones that was not shared with anyone except for one of the few program directors who unfortunately did find themselves in a vent before the mission ended that stated that containment protocols are the most important thing and that if there is a chance of a breach of containment before the experiment is sent back as a success, then that cannot be allowed to take place. Therefore, one of the things that was sent off by the ship before it descended into the star that it's orbiting was a code to let the life pod know to shut off all life support systems. Christ, James. Uh, Sorry, folks. Uh, Elon Musk was very particular about his space weed <laughs> research program or whatever the hell we've experienced yeah. together. Hey, like, 
I'm I'm gonna have to like as as the the designer of the game say that the Elon Musk thing is non <laughs> that's that's on you. Yeah. <laughs> Elon Musk does, does not enter text and no games that involve Elon Musk uh account. There yeah. we go. Well we can we can X card that then for sure. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I didn't really feel strongly that much of this data could help. But certainly what was in the greenhouse was probably at the center of this all. It's unfortunate, then, that many of the readouts were corrupted from the solar radiation. Who knows what made it through? Excellent. So, so we just Excellent. snitched on the crew. What, <laughs> our last, our, yeah. <laughs> our last, last thing we act did. as an AI. We don't know what, like, what went through. <laughs> all robots, all robots are cops. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> no. You got one last action hero moment, and then also they were smoking weed. Yeah. Who <laughs> said? <laughs> like this dude brought a gu- like this dude brought a gun and was gun. shooting, and everyone was getting high in the church. So mm-hmm. judge how you want. I'm just a humble AI. Yeah. Humble AI that was brought um, up Christian through Google, through the Google through Sem- Seminary. Yes. The new Christian, the Google yeah. Christian. The Google Christian. I thought the church was... More of an Ask Jeeves Christian, the- actually. I thought the church was smoky and cryy and yelly. That sounds Catholic to me. Mm, oh, yes. You're right. Oh, yeah. You're mm, right. Also real. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You're correct. <laughs> My my standard outro for this game is that I say, um, and that that was decaying all bit the story of a, of humanity's most distant outpost and its uh, inevitable failure. Um, I want to explicitly thank you all for playing with me and for for giving so much. Um, it was clear that you all are very creative and wonderful people, and also uh, engaged with that fully. And I really appreciate that. Uh, and it was it was a wonderful gift to see the joy in your eyes as you murdered. Uh, many crew members. Two hundred people uh, among you. We you know exactly. Yeah, two hundred. Oh yeah, thank you, yeah. Daryl, for yeah. that. Yeah, that's true. I tried to you, say. I, I, I tried to save. Gave a number to, save, to our. You did. I tried to save forty. And thankfully, and I, and I the corporate list. handbook <laughs> managed to take out the rest of them. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you for sharing that game with us, I, yeah, Sydney. I Sydney, this it. was a delight, Pleasure. an absolute yeah. delight. Thank you. Thank you. Um, if you are interested, uh, Decaying Orbit will be hitting Kickstarter in February, published by the Story Brewers, um, the Australian RPG crew that did um, Good Society, the Jane Austen role-playing game, um, Indie Groundbreaking winners, and my favourite brunch companions. Um, they're, they're very graciously helping me publish, uh, and I would love, 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 love to see you there at the Kickstarter. Now, on the Story Brewers website, is there a mailing list people can sign up for to find out when this launches? Yes, absolutely. So um, storybrewersroleplaying.com. Down the bottom, there's the mailing list. And if you go to storybrewersroleplaying.com, decaying-orbit, I think, there's, there's some more information on the game, including some of the beautiful art. Oh, not being able to show you the, the pictures of the, of, the, um, of the ships. Oh, the Hephaestus looks like an owl. It's my favorite thing. <laughs> well... That That is wonderful. And listeners, I hope you check that out. And once again, thanks to everyone for playing with me today. This was great. Thank you for having me. And us. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. 
This episode of One Shot features music from the following artists. Detour in Valor by Fairlight. This episode of One Shot was edited and sound designed by Tracy Barnett. You can find more of their work online anywhere at The Other Tracy. Well, heroes, that's it for One Shot this week, but don't worry. We'll be back next week with Captain My Captain. In the meantime, be sure to check out some of the other amazing gaming shows here on the One Shot Network. Like Design Doc. Join hosts Hannah Schaefer and Evan Rowland as they redesign their first role-playing game. Design Doc is an experiment in public participatory analog game design. It's fun, it's messy, and you're invited along for the ride. As always, we end One Shot with a call to action. Heroes, I'd like to urge you to go out and call your representatives. Calling a representative is a great way to directly advocate for an issue. It's a way that many elected officials keep a temperature of what their constituents are looking for, and because not many people do it, an individual caller can make a huge difference. When I call my representatives, I use a site called fivecalls.org. That's the number five, calls.org. There you can find a list of issue summaries from around the country, along with contact information for your reps and scripts to read while you're on the phone to help you get your message across. Calling is quick, and it can make a vital difference. Thanks, heroes. As always, a humble and hearty thanks to our supporters on Patreon. If you want to help us in a non-monetary way, the best thing you can do is tell a friend. You can also leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Every five-star review we get helps new people find the show. For the latest one-shot news, be sure to follow me on Twitter at OneShotRPG. Look us up on Facebook at Facebook.com slash OneShotPod, or look for news on the site at OneShotPodcast.com. If you want to inquire about ad rates, live appearances, commissioning episodes, or you have a general question or comment for the show, contact us at GameMaster at OneShotPodcast.com. OneShot is a production of the OneShot Podcast Network, in association with Paracosm Press. Paracosm Press is a Chicago-based tabletop games publisher. You can find more information at P-A-R-A-C-O-S-M-Press.com. Finally, that music which is right now swelling up over my voice is Adventure by Be Your Own Pet, courtesy of Infinity Cat Records. See you next time, heroes. Design Doc started as a podcast about designing a role-playing game. Over the years, it's turned into so much more. It's a show about the challenges of burnout, making money from creative projects, and what goes into bringing a game to life. Come along with Hannah and Evan in a living documentation of the game design process. 
One review described it as the audio equivalent of taking a hike with a good friend. You can search for Design Doc on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. <laughs>